mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. John 15, and we're going to be beginning this morning in verse 9. Remember, John 15 is where Jesus makes his final claim of the great I am's, the seven I am's. And he says, I am the genuine vine. I am the true vine of Israel. And my father is the vine dresser. And if you'll remember, the father being the vine dresser is everything that's going on is that Jesus is following the plan of the Father. He, he came because of the Father's plan. He is the only begotten Son, and everything that He does, He gives us an example. And I want you to see that today, if you haven't recognized this, that everything that Jesus does is He heard the voice of the Father, the Word of the Father, the instruction of the Father, the plan of the Father, and he went and executed it perfectly. He did exactly what it says, exactly what he was supposed to do, exactly what he was designed, ordained, and appointed to do. And in that perfection, his resurrection is the evidence that he did it perfectly, that he was the perfect only begotten Son of God, the Messiah that would come to, to take away the sins of the world. And in that plan, He gives us an example of what we are supposed to be doing. Now listen to me, because when He gives us His righteousness, His right living before God, now positionally, we are perfect in the Beloved. Positionally, we can rest. We can have peace. We can settle down and go, Oh, man, the penalty's gone. Now I can sit back and really focus on this without fear, without shame, without guilt, without any problems. I'm set free to follow Jesus. Now I'm set free to do what? To be just like him. Well, what was he like? He said, behold, it is written in the volume of the book. I have come to do thy will, O God. He came to do exactly what God said exactly what Adam was supposed to do in the garden and he didn't do exactly what Eve was supposed to do in the garden and they didn't do so we inherited this sin nature from them and now we get a new inheritance in Christ which positionally makes us perfect but now practically we're back in the same place and we have this nature this sin nature that's with us where we can choose to follow it or we can choose to be led by the Spirit of God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Now what does the Spirit of God want to do? Teach us. Wash us. Cleanse us. Lead us into perfection. 
into Christ's likeness. So everything about our life now is just like the prodigal son who was out with prodigal living, living any way he wanted. He, he woke up eating the pods of the pigs, and then he came to his senses. Because of God, he came to his senses. And he said, I will return to my father. And as he, his heart was turned toward home, and he began to go that way, that direction... The father came and met him and put a clothing on him. He's divine dresser. He clothed him. And then he put a signet ring on his hand and he celebrated. And so in this text, again, we are the vine. We're supposed to be remaining in the vine, attached to the vine, listening to the vine, taking all of our nourishment from the vine, from Jesus to be like Jesus. Listen, we're not set free to make choices to keep eating the pods in the pig fields. We're not set free to do whatever we want and go backward. It's for freedom's sake that we've been set free so that we could follow and become like without the penalty being attached to us if we don't make it, if we mess up, if we fall short, then we just confess it because positionally we're already finished. But practically, we're learning to run the race, learning to obey. And as we begin to move towards God, what does he do? He uses his word and the Holy Spirit to wash us and to cleanse us and to change our mind daily. Where our mind's being changed. And as our mind changes and the practice of our heart changes, our desires changed. And we begin to see this great love and we want to go out and be like him and love others because he first loved us. Listen to me. This is the washing and the cleansing. It's a practical process. Positionally, we're just as if we never sinned. We've been justified. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, hidden in Christ Jesus. But then practically, he wants us to start following and say, yes, Lord, and the Spirit lead us. And then the man of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God. He's transformed by the Spirit of God for the glory of God, or excuse me, into the image of God for the glory of God. Let me repeat that because I get a little excited, then I start spitting. So what is our calling? When the man of God and the woman looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, we are transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. So everything that we do, we want to see Jesus in the pages of Scriptures. What was his example? What was he doing? Because he perfectly did it. And that's our calling, to do it perfectly. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So that's our calling. Listen, the great news is, is that positionally we already are. Practically, we're learning to do that. And we don't lose our position when we practically fail. But our hearts should be turning toward home and then he begins to take the practice and the pleasure of sin from us. And one day he'll take us out of the very presence of sin and we'll be with him. Glorification is what it's called. When we're glorified, we're with the Father. So positionally you're saved. Practically you're being saved. And as the Spirit washes and cleanses you because you're abiding in the vine, 
He changes your practice and your pleasure for sin. Listen, in pleasure of sin, God will let you go so far in your sin that it tastes terrible. He'll let you go so far in your sin so that you'll see how ugly it is and that it leads to death and then grace will be poured upon grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So he gives you more grace. He's not trying to kill us. He's trying to bring us back into the vine, into the beloved. He's came and died for us to restore us. He's not mad at you. He's redeeming you. You must get this. I must get this. We must get this. That God will allow you in the freedom to run, 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 run. But all it takes is I'm sorry and come to your senses and he brings you back because he loves you with a never-ending love. It's not judgment yet. So stop running from God. John 15, 9, we read, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friend if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I commanded you, excuse me, these things I command you, that you love one another. Let's pray. Father, shut down our physical faculties and that our spiritual ears would hear what you would say to the church today. That, Lord, all the noise would be gone and that we would rest perfectly in your great love. And we would desire to know the plans you have for us, the gifts you've given us, the position you've placed us in. And we would desire to abide in the vine no matter what happens. Pour out your spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, back in 15.9, uh, we see the pattern. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. Listen, there's the pattern. First, the father loved and had a plan. And the father loved and sent his son. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave his only begotten son that... John 3, 16. I mean, come on. I know that verse. and My brain just went dead. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, right? Listen to me. This is the Father's plan. Think about it, though. The Father, as the Father loved me. Wait a minute. Jesus sees it as love that he was given, that he was ordained to go and do the highest thing ever that is redeem mankind. He sees that as a gift. The church sees it as a struggle, as a battle, as a fight instead of a privilege. 
to go and die and tell others about Jesus. But Jesus calls it love. That my father would send me to die for the sins of the world and redeem that creation which he always wanted fellowship with? Look at this great love that we would be privileged to go out and be witnesses of this magnificent love that God has given. Think about this. This is the pattern. This is the pattern that is given here in verse 9. Look, as the Father, as is, is, it means just as or according to, I mean, it's not real difficult to look at. The Father loved me, agapeo, I also have loved you. So what did he do? Exactly what the Father said, exactly the pattern he's seen, he's the one that's seen God. No one has seen the Father except the Son. Listen, but the Son comes and he reveals him to us. He comes with the heart of God. John 1, 14. The word took flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, grace and truth is what we want. We want grace. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the truth. But the other truth is that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. It's not just a one-time prayer. This is a walk. This is a race. This is a course that we're going through. Or you read John Bunyan, it's a progress that we're going through. There is a way that seems right in a man's heart, but in its way is death. We want to follow God's way. This is what, the, this is what Jesus came and did. He followed the Father's plan his logos perfectly, this plan of salvation. And then he laid it out and we go, well, how do we know he followed it perfectly? Because he rose from the grave. He's the first fruits. There's fruits that come up out of the ground because somebody died. Unless a seed dies, it cannot produce fruit. So when it comes up out of the ground and everybody talks to him and he's speaking to them for 40 days, he lays out again the pattern for them to follow, die. Oh, I don't want to die. Unless you deny yourself. Paul said, I die daily. You get up in the morning, you go, man, I want to go run and play and chase all the entertainment and the pleasure and have fun. And I want to do things my way because I know what I'm doing. And Paul would say, reckon the old man dead. Because the old man is death. The old man is following Adam. Adam failed. And we want to follow the second Adam, Jesus. So we say, I die daily. We say, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the life that I live now, I live by faith. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He dies. If you get out of the grave, it's self. There's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. We want the Spirit of God to bring life to us. So when we look at this, look what he says. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Wow, did you see what Jesus did? Listen, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is God, very God. But just as the Father sent... Oh my goodness, I'm going to pop. Just as the Father sent the Son, what did the Son do? He left us an example, and he asked the Father to send the Spirit. 
And now that's what he's saying. Now if you'll pray, you'll have what you want. But he had to ask the Father. He's given us the example to be led by the Spirit, turn our hearts toward home. We're concerned about souls, bearing fruit, souls. That's it. Becoming Christ-like. That's it. What's my gifts and talents and abilities? That's it. How do I glorify God? By obeying what he called me to do. Listen, you might be really good at some things, but is that what God called you to do? Dying to self is, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to begin to do what God created me to do. I always say you can mow your grass with a weed eater. You can. Take you longer, a little bit more gas, there's some work involved. It might look choppy, but unless you learn how to hold it just right, you'll get her done. But it's a lawnmower is designed to mow the grass, not a weed eater. You trim with a weed eater. You make it look a little bit better with a weed eater. Listen, we are designed for a specific purpose to walk in the Father. Just as He was ordained and He was called and He was appointed and His God's great love gave Him to the world, the greatest gift ever given, yet nobody wants to look at it and say, what is this great love? And He was just like the Father. He was the chip off the old block. The apple did not fall far from the tree. But believe me, he came down off the throne. He laid his life down. He died so that you and I could believe and have life in that more abundantly. And then we have to choose freely. Listen, here it is. We were born dead in Adam. We come to life through the Spirit. And now we choose to die again spiritually so that others can come to life and not stay dead. We become the witnesses. And it takes time. It's in God's timing. It's not our timing. Well, I prayed yesterday. Why hasn't she changed? I prayed yesterday. Why didn't he do it? I prayed and then my kids are still a mess. Listen, it's God's timing. God's timing. 2,000 years ago, Christ died. Look how many people rejected him. It's God's timing. It's God's way. He's the one sovereign. What we're doing is learning to be faithful in what he's called us to do. And then if we're faithful in what he called us to do, he'll bring all men to repentance that are supposed to be saved. That's what the Bible says. So the example comes from the Father, is perfectly followed by the Son, is the power is worked out through the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, remember, he was baptized. In the water by John the Baptist. He said, per permit it to be so for now to fulfill all righteousness. And then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Led by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Listen, you say, well, I don't hear the Spirit's voice. Then get still. Then get alone. Then sit down. Then be still and wait for the Lord. Listen, if it, was a, if it was a report on the TV about what was going on somewhere, we'd go, shut up, shut up, be quiet, be quiet. i got to hear the news. What about hearing the voice of God? What about finding out why he called you? What about finding out the place you're supposed to be planted so you can grow and other people can come to know Jesus Christ? Listen, it's not hard because God of the universe who spoke and created will do it if we will just decide to allow him. If we would just decide to surrender. If we would just decide to search out these great truths. He's not hiding them. They're right in plain view. 
And it's easy to find out because he's still speaking today. And my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me, Jesus said in John 10, 27. Are you concerned about what God is doing in your life first and then somebody else's life? Are you concerned? Have you come to your senses? Did you find yourself so deep in your sin that you were out eating the pods that you were supposed to be feeding to the pigs? That you were out in sin so deep and you said, wait, I hear a voice and he's telling me just to go home. Just come home. Just turn, metanoia. And as I began to turn, that great love came and met me on my progress, on my way. And then he threw a a welcome home wedding party. So the pattern here is performed by the Holy Spirit. Written by the Father, followed perfectly by the Son because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice these three are one. They're abiding together. And he says in verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. He did it exactly the same way. Abide in my love. He gives us that. That's a pretty powerful thing. Abide in my love. Mino. Mino is the word in the Greek. Abide in my love. It means, and, and King James says, continue ye. To stay in a given place, state, or relation, or expectancy. Listen, if you abide in the vine, you're going to bear fruit. If you stay in that given place, his love, state, relationship, or expectancy, waiting for God to provide, there's nothing that can happen except you bear fruit. That's why he came, so that we would bear fruit, and that more abundantly. He came so we would bear great fruit, and it would remain, because it's the fruit of love, and it looks like joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The question is, are we abiding in that love? Not to depart, not to leave. It means to abide, continue, and remain. It means to endure, to dwell. This is what we're doing, dwelling in the presence of the Lord. And it actually can mean, mino can actually mean the word stand. Not the word in Ephesians 6, stand, that's histomai. It's a different word. But here it's the same thing. This is the practice. This is the posture. This is the place that we're standing in our position as he removes the practical walk out of us or the pleasure of sin until he removes us from this place and glorifies us in heaven. So he says, abide in my love. And I say, how? How, Lord? Think about that. Those are the questions in life, aren't they? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Listen, they're all answered in the Bible. They're all answered with the word of God. Listen, verse 10 tells us how. Verse 9 again, read it in context. As the Father loved me, Father's plan, I also have loved you. Followed it perfectly by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us, just like the Father told him, abide in my love, dwell in my love, continue in my love. Verse 10, if, oh, conditional, 
if that's a conjunction it's 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 a a conditional particle i guess i don't know anything about english i wrote it down if it denotes indefinite indefiniteness and uncertainty huh yeah because it says if there's a condition attached to it a choice that must be made if so jesus gives a command to abide in my love and then he says if You keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Notice, this is the the whole thing. The Father gave him a plan, and He's abiding in His love and speaking His word perfectly. And then He tells us, abide in my love. And all we got to do is look at what He did and go, okay, Lord, Lord, you never messed up. I keep messing up. Okay, just stay connected to the vine. Just stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Just continue to confess it. And every time you confess it, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive you and what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's washing and cleansing through the water, through the word. He's washing it out of you. And every time you confess and agree, then you're professing at the same time that you want to abide. Your heart's still going home. See, the wise man falls seven times, but a fool falls by calamity. What's that mean? Well, the wise man keeps getting back up, getting back up. He stays in the race because he knows that it's all part of the process of washing and cleansing you that you're going to mess up, but the penalty's gone. There's no more penalty for our sin. It was taken in Jesus. It would be double jeopardy if they punished anybody else for sin that was abiding. But make no mistake, we have to choose to abide. And when we do, nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hand. If you choose in your heart to believe and abide and stay connected to the vine, nobody can come and cut you off the Father's divine dresser. He's got this. Believe me. You're good. You're secure in the beloved. But if you choose to believe culturanity and the lies of the, of the devil and all the false prophets that are sent out to say, all you have to do is say one prayer. You don't have to bear no fruits of repentance. You don't have to stay connected. You can go do whatever you want. Try that with any natural thing. I married her, but I ain't been home in 10 years. You're not married to her. We got kids, but I ain't been home in 10 years. They're not your kids. Somebody else is raising them. Try it with a job. They hired me. I ain't been to work. I want a paycheck. You ain't getting one. It doesn't work. It's not logical. That's where we get the word logical, by the way, from Legos, which is, which is the word for logos, is the word for the plan. It's the word for the word. To lay out in discourse systematically evenly, just like you get Legos and you build something, that's where all that comes from from God and his discourse and what he's laid out in a plan systematically for you and I to follow and put the pieces together by the power of the Holy Spirit because we're sick of our own lives and we know it doesn't work. It only leads to death. It isn't working. Well, how do we do it? He just told us. He just told us. If you keep, guard, protect, watch, Save from injury. Hold fast. Keep your eye upon. Stay unmarried is one of the ways that could be. If you stay unmarried and keep my commandments, don't be married in the world. Listen, what's commandments? I love this. Keep my commandments. 
I have no strength to do that. The Holy Spirit already knows the heart of God, knows the commandments. If you'll draw near to the Spirit and hear what He would say to the church, you'll have no problem with this. And you'll have no problem bearing fruit. But here's the, here's the great part. This word for commandments here means an authoritative prescription. Listen, we'll run to the doctor and get prescriptions to help our physical life, but the, 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 the great physician has given us a prescription for life and godliness. Will we read it? I can't read his writing. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see and ears to hear, and you'll be able to see his signature all over everything. All your life, his signature has been on your life. He sent angels to protect you because you were appointed for salvation. You were appointed for salvation. Go read it in Hebrews 1. So there's been angels protecting. I always say, well, you know what? When I get to heaven, my angel's going to come walking up going, so you're Tyra, huh? Been wanting to talk to you because he's gotten beat up pretty bad chasing me around while I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Anyway, so... If you want to abide in his love, just like the son did with the father, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. There it is. The authoritative prescription is to find out what he said. Find out what he did, what he's doing, what he's going to do. It, it's abide. Well, I, I, I don't know all of his commandments, and I'm afraid to do this. Well, you ain't got a hard time driving a car, do you? You don't know how that engine works, do you? Explain to me how that combustion engine works. Just, just start breaking it down for me, Henry. Ford, break it down for me. See, we don't, we don't know lots of things in life, so don't use that logic. Trust the Lord by faith. If you could see it, it wouldn't be faith. If you can see it, it wouldn't be faith. Just step out and trust Him. He's already called you. He loves you. With a never-ending love. You can't change that by your mistakes. But you can sure reap a lot of stuff that tastes like death. To keep running from him. And keep jumping out of his hands. And keep ignoring what he says. And keep thinking that your ways are going to work. Even the world knows that to keep doing the same thing. The same way over and over and over. They call that insanity. Because you're going to always reap the same thing. Death. Must do it God's way. You must do it God's way. There is no other way to receive life. There's a lot of ways that tell you that they're going to take care of you, but they're lies. The doctor says, here, take this pill. And we're quick to take that pill. But what about the pill of the word of God? When the great physician says, here's my authoritative prescription. If you want to abide in my love, keep it. Guard it, protect it, find out what it says. Keep it from injury and loss with your very life. And the pattern is just as I have kept my father's commandments, authoritative prescription, and abide in his love. He clearly tells us how he did it, why he did it. So the question is, is have you come to your senses like the prodigal son? Do you care about abiding in his love? Are you concerned about it? Listen, we were on the way to church and I love being on the way to church with my grandkids. And God always gives me something. I talked to you last week about it. I talked to you this week about it. We're driving down the road and here's all these cows. 
right? They're all in the field, but they're all right next to each other, except for maybe one over here and one over there. All of them are gathered up next to each other. And I said, kids, do you know why them cows are over there like that? I said, they do that to protect one another. In fact, they'll rotate in and out. If it's really stormy and there's every wind of doctrines blowing in, the stronger cows will be on the outside to protect the young ones and the weak ones and the women. And the strong cows are on the outside and surround them from all the bad weather. And, and, and this is what they do for one another just naturally because God said, eat some grass. And there they are doing that. And they rotate. They take care of each other because they're a family. And they know, and, and they can't prove this, but most farmers will tell you, just watch the cows. They'll tell you when it's going to rain, when stormy weather's coming. Because when you start seeing them pull together, when you start seeing that, that there's something coming that's going to bother them, they start to gather back together, and they're protecting. And it's what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing, but the devil's got us all chasing our tails, got us all chasing the world, got us all living in a way that doesn't care about anybody else. Because of what we just studied on Friday night, the, 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 the selfishness that is in the church, we are unloving. But see, love is the pattern. Love is the condition. Love is the way. We are a body of believers that are all in the same family that should be squeezing in and taking care of one another, loving one another, protecting one another, dying for one another, as we're going to see Jesus did, which is the pattern of how a saint lives. The problem is our self-love. Wait a minute. I, I'm not even going where they're at. Are you crazy? I'm not going to sit down and eat with them. They haven't washed their hands. Boy, I, I'm glad Jesus didn't say, no, Dad. I looked down there once, and they weren't even washing their hands. They're dirty. I'm not going down there. If he acted any way like our children of today because we're letting them do anything they want instead of training them, we wouldn't have a Savior. But all the way through the Word of God, what do you see? You see the patriarch. That's why patriarchs are under attack. You see the patriarch. That's why patriarchs are under attack. You see the patriarch of the family. That's why the patriarchs are under attack. Don't worry. When I was born, my mom was scared by a scratch record. It didn't affect me. The patriarch, the head of the family, God made man, the head is under attack because the very presence of jesus he followed the patriarch he followed the father the word is pater patriarch that's how father is in the greek it's pater he's the head of the family and the son obeyed him you see it perfectly in genesis 22 that it was it was part of how they lived in the culture what do you mean here you have abraham i'm way ahead of myself because we were going to go to this text you have Abraham with his son on a three-day journey, taking all of the resources from the house. And he says to his servants, wait here. There would be angels in the, in the New Testament. Wait here. Me and the lad are going to go worship. First time worship is ever used in the Bible, Genesis 22. And they go up the hill. And as they're going up the hill, what does the son say? Father, he says, here I am. He says, I see the wood, and the father's got a knife in his hand. He says, I see the knife. Where's the sacrifice? Smart son, huh? And the father says, the Lord will provide. 
they get up on the hill. Now think about it, because Isaac's about 32 years old at this time, maybe 33. And he ties him up and lays him on the fire. Not started yet, on the altar. And he raises the knife. And the angel of the Lord from the thicket says, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He heard his voice and he obeyed. And he said, don't lay a hand on the lad because now I know you fear God. Very important. This was Calvary. This was a type of the father with his son. The son carried wood up the hill and laid down, bound. Didn't need to be bound because it was his love that put him there. He loved his father. He was obeying his father, the patriarch of the family. And he says, now I know you fear God. The Lord will provide a sacrifice. And there was a ram in the thicket that was provided instead of the son in his place. And that's what Jesus did all those years later for you and me. Instead of us, he died in our place. Instead of us, in our stead, the Bible calls it. That's the picture of this great love. And that's the pattern of that love for you and I. Not to die and go, okay, kill me, just kill me. Our blood couldn't do anything but soak into the ground. We're not called to be Savior. We're called to be a witness to the Savior. We're called to follow the pattern of the Savior. We're called to love one another as the Savior loved us because the Father loved Him. And he, they all did it by the Spirit because God is the Spirit. The question is, is will we choose to stop loving ourselves so much it's not an accident that psychology was placed in the, in the center of the schools and God was taken out. Self-love keeps us from God. Love of God keeps us from self. Listen to me. Self-love keeps us from God. We love ourselves way too much. We're way too important. But love of God keeps us from self. We die when we love God, just as the Son loved the Father and abides in His love. So if you want to abide in His love, you, we need to learn that we're set free from the penalty of sin, but practically we're still supposed to be following the commandments. God's heart has not changed. Jesus did not wipe away the law. Jesus, as Romans tells us, is the end of righteousness according to the law. Now we have righteousness in Christ who takes away the sins of the world. The law only covered them until the Messiah came. The question is, have we come to our senses? Not that we come to the American dream. Not that we get a job and start paying our bills. Not that we know how to do certain things. Not that we know, did we come to our senses? our spiritual senses. This is a grand courtroom where we're here for 70, 80 years to decide where we're going to spend eternity. And there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a just judge who sits on the throne who loves and he also is just. It's one of the characteristics of love. Justice. Righteousness. In fact, when you see the word righteousness, it can be translated justifier or justified have you come to your senses or are you still doing it your way are you looking at all to dwell in his love to abide in the vine 
to receive everything in life from the vine, from Jesus, from the Word of God. Because if we're still looking to the world to complete us, if we're looking for some other relationship to complete us, if we're looking some other place with our eyes, we're being deceived. And there's only self-deception. See, once you have truth, everything else becomes the deception is because you don't want to follow truth. The deception is, is you don't want to listen to God's word. Deception, deception is, is you don't want to hear his voice. He already knows you. He knows exactly what you need. But you have to abide in his love. If he knows exactly what you need and he brings it into your life and you go, oh, get away from me. I'm going to go get some medicine. I can get some help from the world. Then you're not abiding in his love. You're rejecting his great love. He's sovereign. He knows what we've been through. Even if you've told nobody in your life about it, he already knows, and he knows the plans he has for you. He knows the stimulus, and the vine dresser knows exactly what to bring into your life. So you will react, and your reaction should be, Lord, help me. I can't do this. Your reaction should be, Lord, help me. There's no way I can do this. I'm powerless. Your reaction should be, I want to be crucified with you. I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe, but help my unbelief. Then it's stay abided in the vine. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. No matter what goes on. Yeah, but I was, I was getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, and I was living for Jesus, and I was reading my Bible uh, for a whole day. And then that one thing happened. Well, that's because he was testing you. To see if you would understand that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen, you can say all you want. The demons believe and tremble. But are we going to obey? If we're going to abide in the love, we have to keep his commandments. And, that, and listen, I, I, I destroy his commandments every day. But I get better at keeping them every day also because I confess that I destroyed them. I confess that I didn't obey. I confess. And as you keep going, his water continues to wash you and you get pure. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sinless, but I'm sinning less. Listen, because you're going to grow if you go. If you go, you're going to grow. If you turn, you if you come to your senses and come toward the Father, there's no way that you cannot be clothed in His great love because He's going to come get you when you come to your senses. He already knows who you are, where you are. Problem is we blame God. Problem is we go, oh, I'm making an excuse. Since that happened, then I get to go out and have some fun because I'm mad at God right now. Listen, praise the Lord, you don't hate God like you used to because if you've come to your senses, you don't hate God anymore. But believe me, everybody outside the church, everybody outside of Jesus, they hate God. I don't care what they tell you. I don't believe in God. No, you hate God. I, I got my understanding. No, you hate God. I'm not God. You know, you hate God. Now, you might not evangelize that way, but that's the truth. For some reason in their heart, they still hate God. They're an enemy of God. They're at odds with God. They can only be brought back through the blood of Jesus. So stop arguing with them. Listen, stop. The Lord's bond person is not quarrelsome. You cannot sit around and argue with the world or somebody that doesn't have the Spirit of God and think that they're going to come to Jesus. Yeah, I'm smart enough to do it. No, you're not. If the Holy Spirit can't draw them, how are you going to do it? 
If the Holy Spirit can't save them, how are you going to do it? All you can do is be a witness. What do you do as a witness? You swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, help you, God. I do. And you speak the truth in love in this grand courtroom. And you allow the Holy Spirit to convict them in their conscience. And see, your conscience really means, in the Greek, co-perception with God. See, if your conscience, like Paul said, I, I endeavor to keep my conscience right with God. A clear conscience with God. In other words, every time I see in the Word of God that I have a different opinion than God, then I need to die, change my mind, repent, and take God's opinion. Because I'm always wrong. God's always right. So if you want to have a co-perception with God and your conscience right with God, then every time He shows you truth, you have to say, wait a minute, Lord, I have no ability to do that. Can you pour out your Spirit upon me and help me to do that? Because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Pretty simple truth. But the world, what do they want you to do? They want you to pour gasoline on the fire. More of their self-help psychology, sociology, you name any of it, it's, it's philosophy. They have a great love for wisdom, but they have no wisdom other than earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. They cannot fix you. They cannot fix you. I'm not telling you don't ever go to the doctor. That's not what I said. You didn't hear me say that. Don't email me. Listen. Are you looking to abide in his love? He says here in 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now listen to me, because he says again, These things I have spoken to you. Remember he said this up in... Uh, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Listen, you want to hear his voice. You want to hear what he's saying. And he says, I have spoken. These things I have spoken to you. Why did you speak to me, God? Why did you call me here? Why would you call Moses out with two and a half million people and he doesn't know how to feed them? Lord, why did you call me out here if you're going to kill us in the wilderness? That wasn't God's plan. That was people's choice. Listen, God has spoken to us to clean us up, and now we have His Spirit, and now we want to follow Him, because when you have His Spirit, you come to your senses, and now He says, these things I've spoken to you that you may have joy. Listen, let me ask you, do you have joy? Do you have joy in your life? Now listen, because this is really important. Listen to me. It's the word kara, and it means cheerfulness. It means this, and this is where I would like to look at it, because joy is not walking around with a big smile. Joy is not, oh, that is so nice. Ah, ah. That's goofiness. It's cheerful delight. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's cheerful, calm delight. It's gladness. He has made me glad because I can rest in Him. I have calm delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. Listen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sets in the seat, or stands with the scornful, nor sets in the seat of the ungodly. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, where he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall never wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chafe, which the wind drives away. Here comes the winds, driving them away. There's a little battle going on, and now I'm mad at God because it didn't go my way. Then.
Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's Psalms 1, by the way. Psalms 1. Listen to me. Do you have joy in your life? Now, people will give you the acrostic that joy means Jesus, put him first, then others, and then yourself. See, that's a dead self. That's a dead self. When you put Jesus first, and then you look out for others, and then you're last. Isn't that what Jesus did? Think about it. He had all the power, of course, into it. He's God, very God, sitting on the throne, and he doesn't need to come down. God-centered, others-oriented, and that's what he did. And he came down so that we could be privileged to share in his great love and be like him and be a light to the world as he was a light. We get to be a light that sits on a stand, not hidden underneath the bed. Over in, uh, what is it, John four thirty six. Here's a way you can have joy. See, when you walk and you become the part of the body that you're supposed to be, John 4, 36. Remember, we was over here the other day. This is the woman by the well, the Samaritan woman that, that, that had been married five times and was living with a man. And Jesus knew everything about her, told her everything about her, and she went and witnessed, and then the people came to hear Jesus. But notice this. He says this about the fields that are white for harvest. He says this about his fields where we're ambassadors to go out and be concerned about souls. That's all we're called. There's only one ministry, one servanthood, one thing that we're doing in the kingdom of God. And that's because God's great love, the father sent his son to die to save souls. Listen, there's only one thing. It's souls. There's nothing else that's important in the kingdom of God. And he who reaps receives wages, it's 436, and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together, may have joy together. Listen, when you're one with God and you're, in, you're, you're saying, okay, Lord, I understand now. I, I don't know it all, but I got my identity now that I'm one with you. I've been sent on mission with you. My ministry is to, to, to be an ambassador for souls and everything that I'm doing, I am dying to self so that you can grow in me so that others will come to know you and you begin to get focused on just souls. That's all that God's here for. That's all that you're still here for. If you're done, go. He'll take you home. That's what he said right there. If you don't bear fruit, he'll lift you up. But if you bear fruit, he's going to prune you. He's going to cut back. He's going to make it to where you're becoming more like him every day. And, and, and you're bearing fruit and your heart is only concerned. Your, 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 your co-perception just keeps getting smaller and smaller. You're loving people, but you just get smaller and smaller. The only thing you're worried about one brain cell left, and it's all about souls being saved. That's it. Because that's the only reason Jesus came, was for souls to be saved, that they would be able to be redeemed, because he died in our stead. So is your joy remaining? Well, the reason we don't have joy is because we don't know what God called us to do. I don't know what my gifts and talents and abilities are. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm just, I'm pretending. I'm kind of hanging out, and I go to church, and I read my Bible sometimes, and I'm kind of like 
but it's not, and I can, but I'm going to go work, and then when it, next week, if I feel good, I'll go back and try to learn some more, but if not, I'll go chase the world, and, and I'll just fake it till I make it. That's not Christianity. Find out. Awake from your sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Find out what the will of the Lord is. And then what? Be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then what? Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. It's the body life. It's what we do. You begin to draw in and go, what was Christ doing? Look into the word. Find out how he abided in the love. He was led by the spirit of God. And you were giving gifts by God. And your joy is going to remain. You, you know what? You can be going through the worst storm of your life and have joy because you know you're in the center of God's will. You're in the center of God's will. You're doing exactly what he called you to do. You're being perfected. You're being tried. You're being tested. You're withstanding because of the Spirit, because of God. And you're going through the storm, but it doesn't even matter because you got calm delight because you know you're called to be a witness to souls. And if you're pleasing to God, it doesn't matter what the world thinks. But if you're pleasing to the world, you better worry about what God thinks because He's the judge. And the judge is standing at the door. And judgment starts in the house of God. He's not, he's not spanking other kids first. He's trying to get us to go to them so that they can become his children. He, he's not out there spanking the world. He's going to spank his kids first. He's a good father. And if his kids get a spanking and they act right in the streets, then other people's children sees them, they're witness to, and they learn how to behave in the father's house. So he spanks us first. That's a good father. But now we're without discipline. We're without chastisement in the church because everything goes. Do what you want. You don't have to follow the word of God. That's why we have perilous times. 2 Timothy 3.1. And that right there tells you it's the last days, the very last days, when you see everything falling into place. He wants your joy to be full. This is the word pleroma, pleroa to furnish, to influence, to satisfy you, to complete you, to finish you. All of that stuff, you go, wow, this is calm delight. There's a storm going on, but I can step out on the water. I can still get up and go even though things are falling apart around me and in the world because I know I'm in his hand and I can keep going and keep with the same message. I don't have to change my mind. I don't have to come up with some new script. I don't have to switch churches. I don't have to do anything except keep speaking the truth in love. Because I know my Redeemer lives and that I will see him in the land of the living. Listen to me. That's calm delight. That's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That's joy in the Lord. And that becomes your strength because you know who you are and who has purchased you and what he has called you to do. Do you know that today? He's a perfect supply. 12, this is my commandment. Here is my authoritative prescription that you love one another as I have loved you. That's his authoritative prescription. Isn't that what he said in 13? 
when he told the boys, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. The first usage on that is Matthew 5.19. Let's just look at that really quick. I haven't ran out of time yet. I got really, my brain wasn't working last week. I couldn't even tell what time it was. 5.19, excuse me. The first time that the word commandment is used, an authoritative prescription for the sick soul, it's used in uh, first, or excuse me, Matthew 5.19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, authoritative prescriptions, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You hear that? Jesus kept every one of them. The pattern is Jesus. He kept the, the authoritative prescription by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he taught men to do so. See, today we're teaching them, you don't have to follow the commandments. You don't have to follow the commandments. Listen, we've been set free to follow God's heart to do what we couldn't do under the law, to do what we couldn't do. Now, the, 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 the law of God is, is the royal law. It's the law of love, James tells us. We're above the law, way above the law. Think about it for a minute. Thou shalt not murder. That's the law. Jesus said, if you hate a man in your heart, you've already murdered him. That's above the law. The law's down here on a physical. We're in the spiritual. We're not even allowed to hate. We have to forgive so that our Father forgives us. He says, he says thou shalt not commit adultery. That's down here, physical. And Jesus says, if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. That's way up here. That's above the law. Yeah, I'd keep the law. No, the law, that Jesus is the end of the law concerning righteousness but he set us free so that our practical walk would look like christ that we would begin to be practically because he's sanctifying us spirit soul and body not just our spirit you can do what you want now it's incomplete race it's incomplete salvation salvation is ongoing oh yeah you're saved and completely saved if you abide Continue, remain, stand. That's the evidence that you believe in the first fruits and you're going to be the next fruits when there's a resurrection of life and a resurrection of the dead. Whatever you've been doing and practicing is what you've been growing and that's where you're going for eternity. Not saved by it, but because you're truly saved, you begin to go and bear fruit, and it remains. And you love one another. Love is the main fruit. I'm trying to get over back over to our reading from yesterday. Verse 13, and we'll move on and I'll come back. Greater love has no one than this. There's no greater love than this. It can't get any bigger than this. There's not any greater love than this. It's the word megas. It's large, it's loud, it's big, it's exceedingly great, it's strong. There is nothing more exalted, nothing higher 
Nothing better, nothing greater. Oh, I love you. Get out of the way. I'm trying to go to work. I love you. I don't care. I'm going to church. I don't care if your car's broke down. Shut up. It's not love. It's talk. Love does. Love got off the throne and came down and gave his life away. But we just use it like it's nothing anymore. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Notice that qualification there. There's a conditional. There's something of uncertainty. You're only his friend if you do. You're not saved by doing. You're saved by believing and believing alone. Salvation is by through grace. It's by faith. And it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm more saved than you because I love more than you. And I've done more than you. And I mowed more yards than you. And I did more buildings than you. And I did this more than you. And I fed more poor than you. No, 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 no. It's by grace alone. But if you are saved, the evidence that comes out of it is love. And love finds out how to abide. Love finds out what God has called me for. Love calls and says, what part of the body am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Wait a minute, I'm mad. I'm not the preacher. I want to be the preacher. I'm going to another church where I can be the preacher. I'm going to start my own church so I can be the preacher. I'm mad. I don't want to be a foot. I don't want to go to the street. I don't want to be a witness. Listen, that's why we have so many churches. People that don't want to do the will of God. God's not confused. It's us that's confused. God's perfect. He's not, he's not the author of confusion. The devil is. We're following the wrong voice. We're friends with the wrong place. Jesus says, look what he says. Look what he says here. 15. No longer do I call you servants. That's doulos. It's either a voluntary or involuntary servant. Somebody made to or volunteering to, they're still a doulos. It's a slave. See, and you were a slave to sin. We were in bondage to sin, and Christ set us free. And he says, I don't call you slaves anymore. I don't call you douloses anymore. I'm calling you friend now. And he's speaking to those that are, listen, he's speaking to those that are still there. Not to the one that went out to be friends with the world. Judas, not to the one who betrayed him, Judas. Judas has been purged from the room. That's our previous messages. Judas has been removed. He's speaking to those who have ears to hear what he's saying to the church. I love this stuff. And if it sounds like I'm yelling at you, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just passionate. This is the voice I have when I have passionate about the word of God. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Listen, if you're a servant and you're in bondage to sin and you don't know your identity, right now you're going, I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what God's doing in my life. Listen to me. I don't know what he's doing. But if you're a friend of God, you know what he's doing. Because you're spending time with him. Me and my wife became best friends. We spent time together. We knew what the other one was doing. She wouldn't call me on Friday night at 7 o'clock because she knew I was in Bible study and she was there with me. She knew what we were doing. She did not trust. She didn't say, oh, where was you at? I don't trust you. She knew what I was doing. What were you doing at Walmart again evangelizing? Get your butt home. You've worked all day. I got supper ready. It's cold. Honey, I met. I know. I know. Just come home and eat supper. Listen. 
when you spend time with somebody, you come to know them. You see the kinks and the chinks in their armor. You see the hard places. You cover for them. You protect them. You surround them with love. You, you make not excuses, but you make uh, concessions and you help them and you give mercy and grace and you build them up to be greater. You die so that they can live. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love is here dying. Love died, and then he said, hey, you guys die too, and they'll know that you're my disciples. Oh, he said, love? Oh, yeah, that's the only way you're going to love people is if you die and let the Holy Spirit grow fruit of love in you. You're not going to love people as he loved us and then keep doing it your own way. Well, you know what? I've already taken care of them enough, and I'm done. Well, I'm glad God didn't say that to me in 1996 because it wasn't until 97 until I gave my life to him. I'm glad he didn't say, well, Greg, I'm just sick of it. In 96. Wait a minute, Lord, I'm going to do it on November 17th, 1997. Just hang on for a minute. But see, he already knew, and that's why that angel's all beat up. The angel was trying to move the calendar faster, but he just couldn't, you couldn't do it because the time's in God's hands. Angel's like, come on, I don't want to get beat up for another year. Get that dude saved. I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously. No longer do I call you servants, for servants, the servant doesn't know what the master, kurios, the Lord is doing. See, so I put the master in there, but it's really kurios, which means supreme in authority. And really, your Lord and your God is whoever is supreme in authority in your life right now. And if it's the government or the world or your job or another relationship, then you're serving the wrong God. What is supreme in authority? Why do you get up? Who are you obeying? Oh, this is going to hurt you more than it is me, but I'm going to obey God. I'm going to die here. I'm going to obey God. Whatever your master passion is, that's your God. Because people who are dead, they're led by the Spirit real easily. And they'll rush right in where angels fear to tread, and there they'll be. But they'll be there by faith, not knowing what they're doing. But God knows what they're doing because he's going to fill their mouth. He's going to use their possessions and their life for his glory. Do you know what your master is doing? He's saving souls. Listen, it's not complicated. It's not God's will that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. Many people are coming to salvation, but they're being saved and becoming twice the sons of hell. Are they coming to repentance? That's the word metanoia. It means change your mind. You cannot get saved truly by the Bible and abide in Christ and not change your mind. If your mind isn't changing daily to come to his truth, then you're not growing. You're not going. You might not be saved. There's evidence and proof that grows out of a life that is dead. That's the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up, guys and gals. But you should know that today before your heart quits pumping tomorrow. Because if you meet God in eternity, he's not just loving, but he's just. And the gavel will come down and your resurrection will be to the dead and not to the resurrection of life. And that should be a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God who's died for us. That's why he's living, by the way. He died and rose again and gave us an example of how to follow the Father's love by the power of the Holy Spirit as we abide in the vine and produce fruit that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we fall short, but is our heart turned toward home? Listen, I'm not giving you permission to fall. Is your heart turned toward home? You're going to be dragging the flesh with you. And you have to punch it in the face. You have to kick it. You have to die daily. You have to beat it into subjection. But there's no greater love. And if we are loving one another as Christ loved us, the greatest example, then we're dying also and laying our life down for our friend. Who's our friend? Well, it's your neighbor. Well, it's your associates. Well, uh, I'm looking for the word. I'm thinking and remembering. It's the word philos. Philos comes from the word philia. Listen, this is very important. We just covered it in John 3 the other night because philos... Agoras is love of money or covetousness. Philos is the word where we get philia, which is a type of love where you get the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. It's one of the words for love in the Bible. And it means dear friends or an associate or a neighbor or a companion, someone you're fond of. Listen to what he says, though. He says, you are my friends if you do. He didn't say you're saved if you do. Listen, you're saved by grace through faith. But he says, if you're saved and you became my friend and you really believe, then you would go and do. Because the Spirit of God, me, myself, would come and live in your heart and there would be nothing else you could do except obey. Or quench, grieve, and ignore and lie to the Holy Spirit of promise listen to me listen to me (sighs) greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life it's actually lay down is the word tithemi tithemi tithe he gave his life it means to give He laid down his life. He took our place. He was appointed for it. He was ordained for us. For this purpose, he came. He bent down. He came down. He laid down his life. It's the word tithemi. It's an an amazing word. We're going to see it translated different ways in here. It means to give, but it also means to ordain. Are you laying down your life? Well, what's the first step in that? Well, repentance, obviously, first step of the gospel. But if you repent, then God's got more for you. His Spirit's going to seal you, and then His Spirit wants to send you and use you for His glory so you become part of the body of Christ, and He gives you gifts. Let's look over in our reading from yesterday, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're reading through the Bible with us, that was our reading yesterday. Today is the, 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 the love chapter, chapter 13, because if you, listen, if you want to abide in Christ's love, you have to find out what your identity is, what He's doing in your life, where He's sending you in your life, and you have to know that He's also tithemi you gifts. He's ordained you and appointed you and gave you gifts that you should walk in them. And where does, what's going to happen if you walk in them? You'll get to chapter 13, the most excellent way, which is love. 
as you begin to try to learn how to find out what your gifting is, find out what your part in the body is, find out what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where joy comes from. Listen, there's no greater joy in your life than to know you're in the center of God's will. This is what you was called to do. You're listening to God and you're following it and that's going to give you great joy. Doesn't matter what the noise is sounding, doesn't matter what the storm's doing, but when you're doing what you were designed and called to do, boy, the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. Listen to me, it's very important. But when you're bungling around and you're stumbling around and you're confused and you don't know whether you should stay in the world or follow Jesus, oh man, life is hard. You don't know that you're going to have the greatest love and the greatest relationship with Jesus. Life is hard. I remember when our lives started changing. It's when my wife chose Jesus instead of me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She chose Jesus instead of me. Because she realized she couldn't change me. That only Jesus could. And if you're trying to change your circumstances, your job, things around you, and you're not even concerned about you, you're confused. You're deceived. Unless Jesus changed you, nothing will change around you because you'll abide in death instead of abide in the vine. And if you abide in death, the only thing that comes from that when it's full blown is death. You have to change your mind or nobody around you will change their mind. And if your mind is still made up to keep following death, you're only going to reap death. Don't be confused. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And if you, if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And you don't want God's whirlwind. It's coming. It's coming soon to a theater near you. I'm going to be gone. When he brings the whirlwind upon this synagogue of Satan, upon this world for seven years, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be resting, calmly delighted in being at the table. But until he comes, until I go, I'm going to keep yelling like this. In the grocery store, on the job, in the pulpit, wherever he gives me a voice. I'm not boasting in me. I'm boasting in what the Lord is going to do. And it gives me great joy. It breaks my heart to see people reject and resist and refuse to repent so that they can be redeemed by a righteous God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he's not mad at you. In fact, as you lay in your sin, he keeps piling grace up on it, waiting for you to say, oh my goodness, what goodness is this? That he keeps loving me, that he keeps speaking to me. What grace is this? This is amazing that he would still love me, a wretch like me. At least that's what I say. And then I get privileged to be able to be used at the same time. Would you guys go into chapter 12? It's the spiritual gifts. It talks about a lot of things and the confusion that man gets where, well, I'm not worthy to be in this body and I'm not able to do that. And I'm not a mouth. I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, but I want to get you to verse, um, 127 or 1227 of first corinthians listen you are anytime you see you are that's you it's personal we are is the body but listen he's already said we are you are the body of christ listen you are me and you 
We're, we're the living stones being called out, chipped away at, being shaped into the perfect shape that he wants us to be. And members individually. That's your personal love relationship. Verse uh, 12, 28. And God has appointed, ordained. Listen, tithemai is the word there. God has ordained. He's set forth. He's established. He's put a place for you. Remember, you are the body. Listen, and he, he gave you these in the church. The church is ecclesia, the called out ones. First, proton. That's that word there, proton. My brain won't quit, sorry. Apostles, one sent forth. Second, it's something Deca. Uh, prophets. Now listen, a prophet is one that foretells the word of God, speaks the word of God. What did a prophet do in the Old Testament? Oh, he called fire down. No, the prophet gave the word of God because it was important what God had said. That was his main role, was to bring the word of God. The prophet brings the word of God because nothing else is going to help you know the love of God except for the word of God, because my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. All the, other, all the other stuff that's just a bunch of circus, all the other stuff that's a bunch of show, you need to know the word of God. And I need to know the word of God. So first, it was people that were sent forth, and they were sent forth to be prophets to speak the word of God. Third, teachers. Now you settle down a little bit, and you begin to be taught doctrine instruction after that miracles then gifts of healings helps administration a variety of tongues and then he asked the rhetorical question are all apostles no are all prophets no are all teachers no are all workers of miracles no do all have gifts of healing no do all speak with tongues no do all interpret no Listen, that's the answer that comes to those. It's rhetorical questions. Because the body, if we were all one tongue or all one, everybody doing the same thing, no, you have to find out what you're called to do in the body of Christ. And then he says, and yet, verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Do you desire any gifts? Do you desire any of the will of God, any of the love of God? Do you desire to abide? Do you desire to know what your identity is and why he called you out of darkness? Or do you believe the lie of culturanity that says, oh, just believe and put some money in our plate and everything will be fine. As long as you throw some money at it, it'll be fine. Isn't that kind of crazy? That's what the world does. God's not broke. God is after souls. God's economy is in souls. God came to save Anyway, so he says, yet I show you a more excellent way. And then what does that happen to be? It happens to be chapter 13, the love chapter. It happens to be love because this is what we're talking about, abiding in his love. And because God loved us, he said, because I loved others, one another, just like the cow would. It's built into animals that they protect. The strong protect the weaker. But it's also built in for the, for the injured to be attacked. In the animal kingdom, but not in God's kingdom. 
we come alongside and we help those who are suffering. That's all in chapter 12 there. But the love chapter is, is what we're looking for, the fruit of love. But in that, I've got a note on my top of my thing there, is, is our gifting fruit? Because I think our gifting is a gift, but it's also fruit that comes that you use to go out and win others to Christ that produces more fruit. So if I'm abiding on the vine with my gift and I'm doing what God called me to do, other people will see the witness that is being given and they will want to know what's going on and want to come to know Christ. But if all we do is say, I said a prayer, I don't have to do anything with the vine. I don't have to abide, continue, remain. I can run around and live any way I want. You're not a friend of God if you're living that way. You're not a friend of God. You got to be careful. I know people say, oh, wait a minute now. Listen, there's evidence when you're truly a friend of God. He says it right here in the text. Go back to John 15. You are my friends if it's conditional. You do whatever I command you. So there's going to be evidence of a heart turned toward home and you're going to be going and looking to do what he's commanded you to do, not what the world is commanding you to do. In fact, in fact, let's go look. Where do I want to go look at? Let's go look. I mean, I did a, you can do a search later on friend or friendly, friendship. Do a search on it. Do a search on it. Look at James 4.4. 4. Let's do that first. And then we'll back up. I'll go backward from this. James 4.4. 4. Look what it says here. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? It makes you an enemy of God. Whoever therefore wants, this is your desire, this is what you're lusting after, this is what you're pursuing, this is what your master passion is, to be a friend of the world. Listen, this is the world systems that lie underneath the sway of the wicked one, following what the world does, not what the Spirit of God is doing, makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, you make yourself an enemy of God if you're entangled in this world and you do not come out of darkness. You make yourself an enemy of God. It's not him making you an enemy. It's not him. He's already declared the truth. He's already told his friends what he wants you to do. He's already revealed his great love. But if you still want in your heart to stay out in the fields eating the pods instead of coming to your senses, you're still an enemy of God. You have to turn. Repentance is the first word. You're still an adulteress and an adulteress. And, and, and you're being friends with the world. Listen, you don't want to be friends with the world. If they hated Jesus, they'll hate you. But when you're trying to get along with everybody and not be a light in their face, not be a word toward their life, and you're trying to be friends with them, you're betraying God. And I'm not saying you have to go out and be a, a rude sailor in people's faces. God gives you wisdom, opportunity. James or J Jude says, on some have compassion. Others save with fear, hating the garment defiled by the flesh. God gives you wisdom in the moment how you're supposed to speak to each one. It's not a pattern. It's a relationship. 
birthed through the Holy Spirit sealing you. And if he seals you, then he sent you and he wants you to go out and stop being a friend of the world. See, we're not friends to the world. We're witnesses to the world. We're friends with those that are our associates, our neighbors, those that are loving with us, those that are doing the work of the ministry with us. We're friends with Christ. We're no longer servants. We're friends. Because he's told us everything that he's doing. It's all written down in this 66 books by 40 authors. Because we become believers. Well, look at 2-2. Look at, not 2-2. That sounds like a dance, doesn't it? James 2. Back up to James 2. Where was we at? Let's just look at it all. Listen, to do is to perform it. If you just say, well, I said a prayer, I have faith, James says that's, that's not faith at all. It's dead faith. That's dead resurrection. Dead faith is a dead resurrection. I'm, I'm just talking. Look, 2.14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? He means this type of faith. If a brother or sister is naked, destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead faith. It's dead faith. It's not real faith. It's not godly faith. But someone will say, he he knows there's going to be an argument. The Holy Spirit knows there's going to be an argument. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I believe that's what you see in the world today. You see a bunch of people that have faith without works, no evidence, no resurrection, no fruit. And I will show you my faith by my works. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Listen, by it, the world was framed through the word that was spoken. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for you first must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe that and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man? See, the foolish said in his heart, no to God. And see, when we don't want to find out what God's doing, we don't want to abide in the vine, when we don't want to go love, when we don't want to lay our life down, he's saying that we're foolish men, that faith without works is dead faith. Dead faith is like Lot's wife, rock salt, going nowhere. Was not... Listen, was not, it's a, um, 2.21, Abraham, the father of many nations, our father, our pater, we're back to headship. Was he not righteous? Oh, was he not justified, just as if he never sinned, by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Listen, he went through with it. He followed it out. He was obeying God. Hebrews 11 says he received him back from the dead in a figurative way. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? 
and by works, faith was made perfect, complete. And the scripture was fulfilled, pleroma, supplied, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him, put on his account, for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Isn't that cool? You see then that a man is justified or righteous by his works and not by faith only. See, he's agreeing with Paul. He's not arguing with Paul. He's saying that you'll have fruit if you have real faith and it's not dead faith, that your works will actually follow and they'll go together. They complement one another. That it's not faith, I believe, it is faith with works that shows the evidence. It has fruit that declares who you are. And listen, Nobody wants to know that more today than you yourself. Listen, why would you want to live a life in the church and, and struggle and fight and pretend and go to church and do all these things only to know that you're building on sand? And you get to the throne room and he's like, be away from me. I never knew you. And you're like, what? My pastor said, if I said a prayer, I'd be okay. Well, your pastor, your pastor should have declared the whole counsel of God to you. Because faith without ergon works is dead faith. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. And as we walk in them, that proves that we're God's friend because we're doing what our friend wants to do. And that saves souls. And the way to do it is to be who you were created to be in Christ Jesus. Your identity. Because you've been given that to the me. By God, it's been appointed. Just as Christ was appointed to the me to lay down his life, we've been appointed to lay down our life. Isn't that what he says in Revelation? Oh, everybody loves that book. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and you do not love your life to the death. No, I love my life to the life. I love my life that Christ has given me, the newness of life to life, to resurrection of life. But if I hang on to the old man... It's still dead. If I just say, I believe, this is what they've convinced us to say. I believe. Believe what? The demons believe and tremble. Because they can't do anything. But you and I have been privileged to be led by the Spirit to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of his authoritative prescription. And lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. We've been set free to go and obey God because we had no capacity to obey God before. See, all of creation, people ask, well, why did, why did God put Adam and Eve in the garden if he knew the serpent was coming and he knew they weren't going to obey and he knew that sin was going to happen? God is sovereign. God did not want robots. He could have created robots. He wants a people that will freely choose him because he chose us. Freely choose, even though we know we have no capacity, and then he puts his image in us as we freely choose and we die to self. And then we grow up and become the second harvest, the second resurrection. We become those that look like Christ. See, God, God could have put Adam and Eve in the garden, and if he'd have never let the serpent in there, guess what? It had been Adam and Eve created to follow God always, and God would have never known that they chose his great love. They would have just been loving him and doing what he said without choice. 
Free will has to be involved. And you and I have a free will. We can choose to find out the love of God, the pattern of God, the ways of God, what the Peter, what the Father has sent Jesus to do and us to follow an example of. Or we can keep listening to man and following their example and head right on into hell. Because that's the spirit of Antichrist. God wants a personal love relationship with us. Are you searching it out? I was going to go. You can go find it that Abraham was a friend of God. It's in Genesis 15. He was a friend of God because he believed God. Did he get saved by it? No, the covenant was already made. Genesis 15 is when God comes to ratify it. And it says he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he became the friend of God. And then what happened, Greg? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Then God said, hey, Abraham, round up these animals here and let's do this contract like we used to do. And what they did, they cut the animals in half and they lay them in a ditch and the blood would run down the middle of the ditch. And then both of the guys making the contract together, the covenant, they would walk through the blood because there has to be blood. There has to be shedding of blood to have a covenant. And guess what happened? God's the only one that walked through the blood. Abraham was asleep in the chair. He was asleep, and just like with the boys when Jesus was in the garden making the covenant with God in Gethsemane, and he says, can't you watch him pray one hour? They were sleeping the same way Abraham was because this is all about God's sovereignty. And if God's doing it and you will surrender to it, nobody can stand against God's great love. Nobody can stand against his great power. Nobody can resist what he's doing. It's just a natural law. If you abide in the vine, you will bear fruit. But if you bear fruit, then you'll be a witness. And if you're a witness, then people will see testimony. And then they have a choice, a free will choice. Am I going to believe this testimony of the testator who has died? Or am I going to keep believing the world? Listen, friendship with the world is death. It's an enemy of God. The world is made up its own religious, its own system. It's got the prophets. I mean, think about it. You listen to rock music. Those are prophets of the devil singing into your soul. You listen to the nightly news, those are prophets of the devil steering your soul. You're listening to the voice of the world instead of the voice of God. Those are prophets of the devil. It's the synagogues of Satan. It's the same as the serpent in the garden. Wake up and hear the voice of God and go and bear fruit and your fruit will remain if you're listening to God. I had a whole bunch more to say, but we better get back to John 15. Because if you don't learn to read your Bible and have a personal relationship and allow the Holy Spirit to interpret what this word is saying, you're in trouble at the heart of your Christian walk anyway. Think about it. I got a new job. Man, there's so many duties and so many things, and I don't know if I'll ever learn everything I'm supposed to do at this job. Well, the next day, just go in and sit down and say, I'll never learn it anyway. I might as well just sit down. No. How many people do that? Nobody does that. They go in there and they go, man, I really want to learn. Just keep telling me. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but just keep helping me. I know I'm going to fall short, but you've been working here for a bunch of years. Will you disciple me? Can I be your apprentice? Can you teach me how to do this? That's why we need the body together. When you're hanging out by yourself, you're coming up with all kinds of plans in your heart that hate God. No, I'm not, Greg. I love God. No, you're, you're, you're chasing thoughts that have nothing to do with truth. 
You're listening to false prophets. We come together and, and we make each other accountable. That's what the church does, just like the cows do. It's natural thing that happens in life if we listen to the Spirit and abide in the vine. Even children understand it. And they giggle because they have joy and gladness and calm delight by the way that God has designed everything to work perfectly. And nobody, listen, there's no wisdom or counsel against the Lord. And nobody can overcome you because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You can trust God. You can believe God. Wait, somebody better finish this. So go back to 1516. You know what? Do 1515. We'll read it again in context. No longer do I call you servants, douloses, slaves, because you're not slaves to sin anymore. If you choose Christ, you can become slaves of righteousness voluntarily, douloses. That's a voluntary. You, you, guys, you guys have heard me talk about that? I love talking about this. Somebody will call me out on it. But Abraham Lincoln traveling through lower Illinois comes across a slave auction. Can't prove it's true. Don't know it's true. It's just a great analogy. And he stops. He wants to set the slaves free, so he bids on the girl. He wins the bid. After the auction's over, she comes and she says, uh, okay. And he says, you can go. And she says, what do you mean I can go? He says, you're free. She says, you mean I can go wherever I want? Yeah. You mean I can do whatever I want to do? Yeah. And she stands there and she looks at him and she says, I want to go with you because you set me free. Listen, that's the choice we have to make. If Christ bought us and freed us from slavery, why would we want to follow any other spirit? Why would we want to keep following ourselves? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I was following self, my goodness, I can tell you a bunch of testimony that's not even worth talking about or wasting air about when we can talk about what God's done since I began to follow His Spirit. Just that much. Just that much. All you got to do is follow a little bit. Just draw near. Just, just come to your senses. But don't follow yourself and don't follow the world. The Spirit, uh, the, uh, the, the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. 1 John 5, 19. It's there to design, to lead you into your own esteem, into your own self, into your own ways, into self-love, away from God's love. And it's doing a great job because we have apostasy everywhere in the church and everybody believes that they can pursue a career instead of a calling. See, we've been called by the great physician. And if you're pursuing a career, your career is your God. If you're pursuing anything but the calling of God and the voice of God and the ways of God and the love of God, you're self-deceived. James says, let us be doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves." Many people hear the word. Many people say, good sermon, pastor, but they don't go out and mix faith with it, and they die in the wilderness, just like the children of Israel did. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed. That's ordained. That's tithemai. I tithemied you to lay down your life. That's what that means there. 
Tithamai means to lay down. That was the word used for laid down up there when Jesus laid down his life for his friends. That you should go and bear fruit. That means carry fruit, not produce fruit. You're not producing fruit. You're carrying fruit because you attach to the vine. You carry it. You're bearing it. You're presenting it to the world so that they will see you've been visiting with the Father because you've been coming boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And it bears fruit just by abiding. And that your fruit should remain. It's not just fruit that you pretend. It's plastic. But it's, it's going to remain. And that's the word mino. Listen. It's so funny how he uses this. That's the word mino again. Abide, dwell, continue, stand, remain. Same word again. In the Greek, you would be seeing mino, and then mino, and then mino, and then mino. But in the English, they've translated it different words. In the Greek, you would be seeing tithemai, tithemai, tithemai. But in here, it's laid down. It's ordained. It's appointed. It's changed to fit into our English. And in our English, we lose it. You need to study it if you want to understand it. Not to be saved but to bear fruit, to understand the context, to dig deeper, to draw near, to build a relationship. What do you mean if I empty the trash, I love you? Because your father always emptied the trash and that was love in your house when you was growing up. I got to dig deeper and learn this woman and find out what in the world it means to love her because this is crazy. When I show up and I'm loving her and I'm working my butt off for 60 hours a week and taking care of the house, making sure we get to church, and she thinks only that because the trash can's full, I don't love her. See, it's really important to find out those little things and begin to learn her and love her and lead her. And that's what Christ does. And then he says, okay, they need a little dash of this and a little dash of this. And they need some of this so that they'll scream and squawk and yell and then cry out to me. And I can purify them and burn out that dross and cause them to die and grow fruit worthy of repentance. See, we're the bride of Christ. And he's learned us. He knows us. He knows everything about sin because he was without it. He's perfect. He knows what it takes to be like that. Follow the plan of the Father to love to lay down your life, to become a sacrifice, to put your place in their stead, die for them. Husbands, he wants the fruit to remain, that whatever you ask the Father, here we go again, praying back to the Father. But it's only because of the love of the Father that came to Christ in my name. Listen, name is always character, nature, will, and authority. Listen, you can pray all day long. But if it doesn't line up with what God's already doing, according to his character, his nature, his will, and his authority, he ain't going to answer it because it's your flesh. But once your life begins to abide in the vine and you get concerned about souls, you're going to be asking for that which will produce fruit in other people's lives, that which will grow in your life, that which will open eyes that cannot see that they're veiled by the devil. And so God's going to answer them. But then again, you still have to wait for his time. But you have to ask it in Jesus' name. Now listen, I can be real controversial with this because everybody goes, in Jesus' name. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with it. Just, I mean, just adding this, listen to me, just adding a stamp on your envelope if you didn't address it properly is not going to get that letter to the right place. You can't just put Jesus' stamp on everything. In Jesus' name, you come out of him and give us this house. Really? 
And I'm going to name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. And I could take over my faith. No, you have to let yourself be dead and enter into what God's already doing. And then you ask according to his character, his nature, his will, and his authority. That's what it means to be in Christ. You're already in his name. You're married to him. You're betrothed to him. You've taken his name. And you go out in his authority to tell others to obey. That's what the Great Commission is about. It's not a suggestion. It's the Great Commission. It's a commandment. It's a prescription. It's an authoritative prescription from the great physician. So when you ask in his name, you want to ask, oh, not my will, but thy will be done. Is this really what you want to do, Lord? You really want to give me a Mercedes? Give me two of them then. See, God's not worried about your car, although he can make it run even if it's a beater. We're, in our pride, worried about our vehicles. 17, these things I command you that you love one another. That's the fruit. That's the action. Man, it is so hard, too, and there's no way to do it unless it's by the power of the Holy Spirit because there's no way to agapo, agapeo anybody without the Spirit of God because it's a spirit word. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It can only be done when we're dead 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 now here's your homework i know you're like i thought you was done no here's your homework go read deuteronomy 29 and the first 10 verses of 30 same thing going on same thing happening to the children of israel same thing and look what he says in verse 29 29 the secret things belong to the lord our god but those things which are revealed belong to us listen Truth belongs to you. He's revealed everything to his friends and to our children forever. Why, Greg? That we may do all the words of this law. Listen, they went into the land and they didn't do it and they died. But you, when you're reading it, know that this is speaking of us and the church is hidden in Deuteronomy 29. The church is hidden in there. Egypt is the world that he brought us out of. Pharaoh is the devil. Everything in there has got types. And he wants to restore us. That's chapter 30. You can receive the grace of God. But here's the question. Do you desire to abide in his love? Do you desire to bear fruit? Do you understand that we're called to tithemai, lay down our lives for others? Because we're the friend of God. I had a whole bunch of other verses. Sorry. You don't get them. Maybe next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've ordained us. You've called us to go by faith, led by the Holy Spirit, to go out and be faithful with our gifts, talents, and abilities to be witnesses to others of your great love. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for setting us free. Give us a desire, Lord, not to just say a prayer, not to just say I came to my senses, not to just say I believe, but to add works to our faith and have a constancy in following you. And Lord, when we see that we're not, help us to repent and change our mind and keep running the race to win.
as a wise man would. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I am.